0: A very good morning to you, lovely to see you all here this beautiful September morning. Great to see those of you who are here every week. Great to see those of you who are new or visiting this week. Great to see those of you who used to be here but haven't been here for a few years and you're back visiting. You're very welcome. It's great to see you. Uh, All of you are very welcome. If you've been around for the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a series looking at the one another phrases from the New Testament. Uh, The one another phrases, which are essentially um, commands, exhortations, and encouragements that we find throughout the New Testament scripture that um, are designed to sort of shape and inform how the people of God, how we as followers of Jesus are to respond and how we're to relate to and how we are to treat one another. We've been looking at Romans chapter 12 over the past couple of weeks and as it's so rich we're going to carry on looking at some of those verses. So if you've got a Bible turn with me to Romans chapter 12. A couple of weeks ago we started with a bit of an overview, last week we touched on love one another, and this week I want us to dig in a little more detail at what Paul says in these verses from Romans chapter 12 about belonging to one another, being devoted to one another. So let's have a look at Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 3. For by the grace given me I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good be devoted to one another in love. And what I want us to highlight and look into this morning is uh, for the verses four and five, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all The others. What we're looking at today is being devoted to one another, or what does it look like for us to be members of one another, who belong to one another. Uh, Now, when we see this word uh, member, we might think about membership, and you're probably a member of like something, you know, like maybe, I don't know, um, a gym or a club or whatever it may be, and churches all over the world talk about membership. Churches talk about church membership. And some churches have a a formal process of, of membership. You might do some membership classes, you might sign some papers, some documents, and then you're a member, you're a member of that church. Now, especially if you're new here to Southwest London Vineyard, you've been coming along for a little while, We don't have any kind of formal membership. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you if you like signing documents and being on membership rolls. Not the right place. I mean, look at this, it's not not likely as yet. Rather than signing documents for membership, uh, membership here sort of looks a bit like this. Membership here um, is about taking part. Being one of the many members of this church looks like being here on a Sunday. It looks like being part of a small group midweek. It means being part of a team, serving somewhere, whether that's on uh, setup. Uh, Brett was doing an amazing job on setup this morning, on his own. We need more people to do setup, up by the way. So, you know, we had Brett on um, setup. We've got uh, Josh on laptop, who serves his socks off. He's there practically every single week. God bless him. Um, Rachel on PA and Alex helping out. We've got the worship team. Um, we've got the team on tea and coffee or the team on Vineyard Kids or the team on you. There are just lots and lots and lots of different things um, where we can get involved and serve. It means serving. And lastly, but by no means least, it means giving generously, giving generously of our time and our energy, and also also of our money to the church, to the work of the church here at the local level and across um, and into our local community. That's essentially what membership here at Southwest London Vineyard looks like. Now, just as an aside, when it comes to church membership, in, in fact, I think, truth be told, when it comes to the idea of joining any church, as far as I can tell, this may be a little bit controversial, as far as I can tell, there's nowhere in the Bible that specifically commands us or explicitly instructs us, thou shalt join a church. I'm just not sure it's there. Um, so, if it's not there, it would be quite reasonable for us to, uh, to, to reflect and say, well, if we're not commanded to join a church, you know, if it's not in the Bible, if that means, you know, does that mean that church membership or even being here isn't biblical? You know, I, can I get off, can I get out of this thing? Well... Uh, before we rush to that conclusion, even though there's no specific command in the scriptures that might explicitly impel us to join a church, I do believe that there is plenty of biblical evidence. Uh, I mean, it's right here, I think, in our text from Romans chapter 12, and in many places throughout and across scripture, for something that is very clearly implicit about being part of a local church, about church membership, if you like. And when I talk about it being... Implicit, perhaps it's helpful for us to think about it in terms of something like the Trinity. You know, when we talk about the Trinity, which I think most of us probably would agree is a foundational belief, a central tenet of who we are as a church, as of who we are as followers of Jesus. Back to C.S. Lewis's quote from Mere Orthodoxy a few weeks ago, um, or Augustine's reference. You know, the, the Trinity would be something that we would probably regard as essential. Uh, it it would be something, the Trinity is something from the C.S. Lewis quote, would be part of the hallway of orthodoxy, not the rooms. But again, as far as I can tell, and do tell me otherwise, I'm not sure that we find the word Trinity anywhere in the scriptures. But just because we don't see the word Trinity in the scriptures, I'm not sure we're going to ignore the centrality of the Trinity, at least I Hope hope not. Because what's very significantly implied as we look through the whole Council of Scripture is that God is one God revealing himself in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think we see something similarly being explicitly implied here about being part of the church that I believe goes well beyond just casual or occasional attendance, just dropping in when we feel like it, when we fancy it, into something that, from my perspective, when it's working well, is actually a a critical and beautiful part of God's design that works for the benefit and the growth of everyone, be they members of this thing called the church or not. And while we're here, I guess what I want to do is underline the importance what I consider to be the importance for our regular, voluntary belonging to a single expression of the body of Christ as a member. You know, all of us doing and being, in our case, all of those things and more that I've just mentioned. Because the reality is, I think, if we're not here regularly on a Sunday, being here with one another, if we're not part of a small group journeying alongside one another, if we're not helping out on teams and ministries, serving one another, if we're not giving generously of our financial resources, giving to one another, I think we're in danger of taking advantage of one another. Is that okay to say? We're at risk of enjoying all of the richness of belonging to one another without contributing anything of ourselves to one another. And so the danger is that we become consumers of the church rather than members of the church. And I don't think there's any space or room for that in the scriptures. Because everything we're looking at, this belonging to one another, this being members of one another, I think is all part of God's perfect plan and his perfect design to nurture us all into our full God-given potential. Because when we think about membership and the church, whether that's a formal membership or an informal membership, it doesn't really matter. What I'm not talking about is the kind of membership like any other kind of membership that we have. It's the same word, it's the same reference, but it's totally and utterly different. Church, being a member of the church, isn't like being a member of your local gym. It's not like membership to Amazon Prime or HelloFresh or, you know, back in the good old days, Blockbusters. It's like the first thing I was a member of and I got a card. Whatever it is, I don't know. And, and the way those things work is you know they, they work in the way that whether we've applied or we've been invited to join what we do is we pay a certain fee um, and then we're sort of entitled to certain rights and certain benefits and certain privileges that's what it, it's like that quid pro quo when we're talking about church membership things work very very differently indeed because becoming a, being a member of a local church has very, very little, if anything, to do with any kind of rights, whatsoever. It has nothing to do with what we get. It does, however, have a lot to do with our responsibility and what we get to give. And as we see here from the text in Romans, the the responsibility that we have is to one another. And so, in the context of being members of one another, And being a member of the body of Christ, being the church isn't about the rights that we demand, but about the responsibilities that we inherit by becoming these things for one another. And so this moves us from the church being a church or a place that I go to, where I sit passively waiting to get something, to being a people that I join with and I walk alongside and I journey with so that I get to give. It moves from being a church that I go to where I'm served to being a people that I walk alongside so that I can serve. Let's just dig into this quickly. Have a look at verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Now what Paul's doing here is introducing us uh, first of a metaphor, he's talked about another metaphor later on about family, but he's talking about a metaphor here that he's going to use to help us understand this whole one-anothering stuff in the community of the church and how it's supposed to work in light of the mercy of God that we've talked about from Romans chapters 1 to 11 that's linked into that bridge verse in Romans 12 verse 1. And this metaphor that Paul's using here in verses 4 and 5 has to do with the church being a body and the first thing i want us to see from this as we think about how this all works in practice is interdependence uh, interdependence from verses 4 and 5 and the word body here is the same word that we saw in romans verse 12 uh, chapter 12 verse 1 where paul says therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship your true and spiritual worship and that word body comes from the greek word soma and soma basically means the whole person it's not kind of fragmented it's the whole person and it's a word it's used some 30 times in the new testament and in almost every case every time it's used it's used to illustrate how the church is like a human body we touched on this over the summer but paul talks about this in detail in 1 corinthians chapter 12 when he says this in verse 12 Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And then he goes on in verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then he goes down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So right there in that section of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses that word soma 14 times. And the use of uh, imagery, this idea of um, describing something as a metaphor, using the body as a, as a metaphor. It wasn't anything new in the ancient world. Paul certainly wouldn't have been the first to have used that as a metaphor to describe how different members and different parts would come together and work interdependently so that the whole body is able to function in a healthy way. And we're not talking about dependent, or independent. We're talking about interdependent. And here's the way that this works. Just as you know, there is nobody, there, there's no part of the body that is not somehow interdependent on the others, while the part does its own specific work. So we in Christ Jesus are interdependent one with one another. Same as if we're just this body, which means there's no part of the body that's more important than the other, any other. There's there's no part of the body that's more expendable than any other. Everyone is incredibly important. We all have to play our part, as we've seen from um, Romans, uh, from Corinthians chapter twelve, and that's his point in Corinthians, where he's saying this is the beauty of God's design, created to work together and to function harmoniously, so that each one of us is contributing playing our part to a fully functioning, healthy, and whole body of which Christ Jesus is the head. That's the first thing, interdependence. And then the second thing in verse 5 is this idea of belonging to one another. At the end of verse 5, Paul says, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. As members, we belong to one another. And the word member here comes from a Greek word, which is melos. And melos is talking specifically about like a limb, you know, or an organ. Some part of the body that belongs to the body so that the body can function in a healthy way. And what he's saying here is that um, being a follower of Jesus, the moment you give your life to Jesus... You are inescapably part of the body of Christ, kind of whether you like it or not. And when we become followers of Jesus, we become part of the body of Christ in two ways. First of all, we become part of what you might call the, the universal church of Christ. We become part of the believers in all places or all times, past, present, and future. But secondly, the implication is that at the same time, we voluntarily join as part of a local body, a local expression of the body of Christ. And for the Apostle Paul, you know, and this isn't popular these days. I mean, this isn't the way we like to think about things, but for the Apostle Paul as you see from the New Testament, it would have been impossible for him to imagine any of the believers, you know he's writing all these flipping letters, you know he's in prison most of the time he's writing letters to all of these believers all over the place, you know and he's dropping a letter here and dropping a letter a church over here, a church over there, believers over here they're having problems with this over there he's writing them all these letters, all the stuff that's in the New Testament, it would have been impossible for him to imagine that any of those believers would have sought to grow in their faith, apart from belonging to and being being a member of or giving themselves to a local community of believers. He's not writing letters to somebody who's, you know, sitting in their garden worshiping God on their own. What we see from the New Testament is that our spiritual growth is directly and inevitably tied to our need for a strong commitment to and a deep devotion to one another, to other believers. So we've got interdependence, belonging to one another. And then we go back to verse 3 again, where Paul characterizes this whole thing with humility. And he says how humility is essential in how we are to belong to one another. We belong to one another as members of one body through an attitude of humility. Verse 3, says, "For By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. It's kind of probably just good pragmatic sense, but as members of the body who are meant to belong to one another, our belonging to one another is a voluntary and humble declaration that we need one another. There's no space or room for pride here. It's a humble approach, regardless of how spiritually mature we may think of ourselves as being or not the reality is we need the help of one another we need one another I cannot I should not do this thing on my own Christianity I mean life with Jesus is challenging I don't know how people without Jesus like survive life with Jesus is hard enough sometimes right? but I cannot and I should not do this thing following Jesus on my own, and by allowing ourselves to be members of one another, belonging to one another, it's a humble admission that, you know what, I can't fully renew my mind, back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1, well, 2 and 3. I, 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 I can, I, I, I can't not conform to the pattern of the world. Everything I do, I try not to conform to the pattern of the world, but everything about me wants to conform to the pattern of the world. I can't, Not do that on my own. I can't be transformed. All the stuff that's in those early verses of Romans, without the help of others, without all of you. Truth be told, I I can't get my head around the scriptures. There's stuff in here that's complex. I can't draw a conclusion as to what the scriptures mean on my own. My brain is just nowhere near big enough, right? And I, I need to, to reflect and, and grapple with the scriptures in conversation, in dialogue with other believers like you, Lot, um, who are rooted and grounded in the same scriptures, who are having the same struggles. Which is why we do this, and why we do small group, and why we do what all the things that we do. I can't grow as a follower of Jesus, without the nurturing context of a community of believers who are there to pray for me and encourage me and spur me on to love and good deeds. I I can't do this without all of you. So uh, interdependence, uh, belonging to one another, humility, and lastly, let's have a look again at verse 5, unity. So in Christ, we though many form one body. Uh, We though many form one body. It may well be, you know, you're here this morning, and and you have absolutely nothing in common with the people around you. You might have absolutely nothing in common with the person sat next to you, and they could even be your spouse. Do you know what I mean? It's it's most likely. The reality is uh, we are all different, whether we look like it or not. We may not necessarily look like it, but trust me, we're different. There is a lot of difference in this room. We are all from all kinds of different backgrounds. We have come from all walks of life. We have all experienced very, very different things on our journeys of faith. But though we are many, we are one. One body united in Christ and unity in Christ Jesus is always enough there may be absolutely nothing in, you may have absolutely nothing in common with the person around you and yet as a follower of jesus you are brothers and sisters in christ so that is what unites us that's what brings us together interdependence belonging humility and unity these are some of the distinctives i think of, of what it makes what it means to be of the church and of how we are to one another one another and just to finish i just want to end with um uh, some verses from ephesians chapter 2 and then i'm just going to end 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 by reading the new testament one another's again just to keep reminding us of the things that the new testament is calling us to as followers of jesus and as the church this is ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 it says this consequently you're no longer foreigners and strangers fellow citizens with God's people, and here's another metaphor, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Love one another. Greet one another. Encourage one another. Bear with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Submit to one another. Be members of one another. Serve one another. Build up one another. Forgive one another. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another. Have equal concern for each other. Have fellowship with one another. Carry each other's burdens. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Instruct one another. Teach one another. Consider one another better than yourself. Spur on one another toward love and good deeds. Do what is good for each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality to one another. Don't grumble against one another. Don't bite, consume or devour each other. It is never recommended. Do not become conceited or provoke one another. Do not envy one another. Do not slander one another. Do not lie to each other. Stop passing judgment on one another. This is what we get to be part of. This is what we get to kind of work out in practice. And it's not straightforward, it's not perfect, it's complicated, but it's what we get to do. It's what we get to try to do as we become and belong to one another this is all the one anothering that we are learning how to one another with one another why don't you stand and we'll see what the spirit of god wants to do